One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith Kennedy handle out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's kicked the goal from inside the centre Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the SC Playbook AFL podcast for season 2022. My name is Eddie, I'll be running you through things as usual and I've got two very special guests as always with me in the podcast studio. We've got Nico, coach of Loveski FC, second overall last year in Supercoach. Nico, thanks for joining us. No problem Eddie, g'day. And Dylan, Supercoach expert, how are you? Yeah, good thanks Eddie, how are you? I am excellent and yeah, fit and firing for another good week of chatting about everything super coach wise. Um, it's been a pretty interesting week in the AFL landscape. We've, we're finally getting some sort of action to, to sink our teeth into with these, these intra-club games that teams are playing um, and thankfully quite a lot of them have been live streamed for us. We've been able to take some sort of notes on, on different players and what their roles are and um, I just wanted to ask before we get stuck into what, what you guys have noticed out of these games, I, I thought I'd put it to you, Nico. Do you put much stock into what you see from these games this early in these intra-club setups? Yeah, absolutely, I do, Eddie. I think it's um, I think it's vital to see who is potentially playing a new position, a new role in their teams, um, and whether or not that's going to be uh, conducive to to higher super coach scoring. So, definitely a big watch for me. Um, not so much these intra club games. I reckon they're just you know trialing a lot of stuff. Um, and I, th- I personally, I want to see them playing against opposition um, rather than themselves. Um, so that's obviously going to be a much stronger test, uh, and so we're just going to really see where sort of teams are at and where players are at, specifically in, individually for um for our Supercoach sides. What about you, Dylan? Do you did you watch many of these games in the past week? And, and yeah, what are your what are your thoughts overall on the concept of these intra club matches and their importance to Supercoach? Yeah, I, similar to Nico, I, I take a pretty big um, interest in them. Obviously, we can't all watch every single game and all live busy lives. So I found a really um important sort of part of my research is listening to post-match um, interviews, whether, whether uh, pardon me, whether it's with um, other players, um, coaches, the like, scrolling through Twitter, people who have, have either attended live or watched it as well will put thoughts up there. There's, there's often little grabs that you can get and those hidden bits of information can be really, really helpful. Um, especially rookie-wise, this is often the time where we start seeing rookies sort of put their hands up um, and sort of t- spoken about for the first time. Um, so that's also a, a key key part of my research at this point in the year. 
I had a friend I was speaking to earlier this week that put it really well to me in terms of what these intra-club games actually mean. And he said, it's just a weird sort of situation when you watch two teams trying to play exactly the same game style go up against each other. Um, and I thought that was a good thing to keep in mind when you're watching these two sides is they actually are trying to play the same game style because they're the same team. Uh, so it can be a little bit difficult at times. One- often- oh, sorry to cut you off, um, Eddie. There's often as well, like there's only so many key defenders per team. So there can, there can be mismatches. Um, mismatches across the ground, which can sort of skew, I guess, some some performances as well. Like your mate kicking eight goals the other week. Yeah. Mitch, Lewis. <laughs> Mitch Lewis. If he's kicking eight <laughs> goals every week, Hawthorne are humming. I was going to say, one one concrete thing we can, um, unfortunately, take out of the trial games, and particularly these intra-club games, is is some injuries. And I thought I'd throw it to you guys. Nico, has there been anyone that's that's gone down with injury early on that, that you had in your plans and that has you've been forced to rethink? Yeah, Aaron Hall um, seems to have pinged a, a hammy, so that's a that's a pretty big one. He was second picked in in my defense, um, so yeah, I reckon with his age and you know these soft tissue things coming back, it looks like I've um, yeah I've taken him out um, and opted to go with someone else at this stage. What about you, Dylan? Um, yeah, I had Hall as well, so he's, I've had to move him on for um, for Jack Crisp from Collingwood isn't a bad thing. I'm, I'm pretty big on Crisp as well, but it was unfortunate to lose Hall. Um, and the forward line as well, I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit across this pot and next pot as well, but the premiums are falling fast. Mitch Duncan's missed, missed time with a, um, with calf injuries. Um, Dusty Martin's had an adductor injury and Jordan Degoe as well is out with a rib complaint, I think, at the moment and is set to miss Correct. a couple of Amy. He should be right um, for round one that I've read. I've still got Dugowie penciled in just because it's not one of those soft tissue injuries. They, they worry me more than most. The, the rib injury feels okay because I, I think you can still probably run and, and do all the sort of match sim without the, the tackling. So Dugowie's not such a worry, but the Duncan one the Duncan one is scary because it, he has had a few injuries in the past. Uh, it does make me pause for thought with Duncan. I've still got him in my team currently. Uh, signs are he'll be fine for round one, but again, who knows? Yeah, yeah especially the soft tissue. Oh, sorry, you go, Nico. Sorry, um, there was a big one just recently with Greg Clark, who I think was on most people's um, benches or, or even starting teams in, in the middle from West Coast as a rookie. So he's gone down and he's out for eight to ten weeks. So we're looking at him as a possible uh, downgrade option now rather than obviously a starter missing that much time. Mm, yeah, for sure. And even there's on the flip side of the, the, I guess, the negative injuries where players have gone down, some have also come back. Um, so James Sisley's supposedly flying, whether or not that's as a result of the fact that he's just back and Hawthorne are trying to pump his tyres up, or if he actually is flying, it's hard to know. Um, Wayne Miller is another one. So there's a, there are some players that are on the comeback trail, um, you know, guess a more positive outlook. That's why we need and- these matches to, to see where they actually, where they are at. I guess the other the other positive, if there is one to injuries, is that it opens up opportunities as well. And and I think one that caught my eye was Dane Zorko having a little procedure on his ankle, which I think opens up that that back spot in Brisbane for for one of your boys, Stevie, um, for yep. Kadeen Coleman, who we will have a look at in a little bit because he's been he's been lighting it up. Uh, a couple of other injuries that we didn't get to just then, but Callum Mills got an ongoing Achilles problem. Uh, that is not good. I don't like the sound of that. Uh, and the the Frio trio, Sean Darcy, Darcy Tucker, and Will Brody, sounds like they're all on track for round one. The Darcy Achilles injury, uh, it scares me a little bit as the big man. I think they they often see it in the NBA. The the big guys take a little while to come back from Achilles injuries. Uh, Darcy, what do you think about that one? 
Yeah, I think I'm going to touch on him a, a little bit more later uh, when we talk about that that ruck line in a bit more detail. Um, he's a bit of a rubber man for me. He just seems to bounce back and and get over these injuries pretty quickly. So if he's you know up and about in the preseason matches, I'll probably start him. I thought we'd we'd move on and, and have a look at sort of a couple of individual teams and, and what we've taken out of some of their individual practice games. Uh, Brisbane, uh, they I think they played late last week. Did you guys happen to catch any of it or have you heard any of the buzz that's come out of the, the Lions trial game? The big thing for me, I didn't watch it personally, but I've heard Chris Fagan speak about it, uh, whether it was today or, or yesterday, I can't remember now. But um, So he's confirmed Cam Rayner and Zach Bailey will spend time in the midfield, um, which we sort of knew, but I guess it's it's great to hear that from the coach's mouth. Um, it's no longer rumour, so that's good for those guys. But he also sort of mentioned that Jade Lyons and Lockie Neal might have to learn to play elsewhere as well. So the Lions was floated as a um, potential forward option and Lockie Neal a little bit more on a wing. So I don't think too many were considering Lions. Um, I think it probably helps those that were tossing up um, guys like Rayner and, and Bailey. And Lockie Neal's an interesting one, and I'm interested in your thoughts on on that. Does that hinder him, I guess, as a super coach prospect, having to spend more time on the wing, the wing? I think it does. Yeah, I think it just takes away that little bit of time where he's got to get that contested ball, um, which we know you know is a very high point scorer in this game. Um, so it's not great. Um, you know, you just also wonder: is it just a, a little bit of a sort of a smokescreen or a bit of chat, and just I don't know, throwing trying to throw you know other teams off or something with how they're going to sort of approach the season? You don't know. Um, I I think it'd be silly to take away your Brownlow medalist from the guts, who's a natural ball winner. So, yeah, that's just my take. I agree with you, Nico, for what it's worth. I've got Neil locked in and it'll, it'll be hard to get rid of him out of my team. The, a couple other notes from the Brisbane trial game. Uh, Cam Rayner apparently was brilliant, lit, lit it up through the midfield, looks fit. Uh, and one of your uh, boys, Dylan, uh, Jared Berry, apparently was fantastic, played inside. Uh, and Kadeem Coleman as well looked excellent. Um, so what, do you, what are your thoughts on Berry? Are, are, does that make you even higher on him after seeing that, Dylan? Um. A little bit, yes, but I've sort of hit a, a point with my team at the moment where because this forward line, it's, I've, I feel like it's borderline disaster at the moment with all these premiums going down. I've had to sort of rejig it so that I've got a mid-price or a few extra mid-prices in that forward line. So I don't have Barry at the moment, but if it fits people's structures, yeah, I'm still pretty big on that. As a, um, I think he's the best mid-price primo option. And Nico Coleman, you like a lot? Yeah, he's he's in my team. I don't see him going out unless I see something drastic in the preseason. But all reports are he's taking kickouts and he's playing off half back. So you know, in the two hundred k price range, um, I don't think you can really ask for much more than that. I actually did a little bit of restructuring in my team today just to get him in there because uh, the sa- the signs out of that trial game were so good. Uh, it's a tricky, couple other it's tricky, Eddie, because you don't want to have too many mid prices because then you know if they do go down, it's hard to trade. And you're also leaving yourself with a lot of upgrades to do as well. And you might run out of time or run out of money. So it is a, yeah, it's a bit of a tightrope that you have to walk with with these guys. A bit of, uh, we won't get to all of these play, we won't get to all of these teams. So I'll cut out a couple of them. But the the Magpies are another really fantasy relevant team. Nico, I'm, I'm sure you were watching them closer than most. I think they played earlier last week. And they put the highlights up on Twitter today. Did you see anything that caught your eye out of, out of their game? Um, they actually had a, a little match sim today as well. Um, so yeah, look, I think the big one for me is Nick Dacos's role. Um, looks like he's cemented off half back and a little bit of time in the middle. Um, 
apparently all reports are he's clean uh, with his ball use and he's doing everything right. Charlie Dean seems to has put his hand up um, for us, which is um, a blessing, 102K defender, exactly what we need when we're struggling with these guys in, in defence. And um, Jack Crisp was another one who um, just is doing what he does best off, off halfback and through the midfield and, and getting a lot of the ball and um, and kicking for him. I, I suppose that he, yeah, when he gets the ball, he kicks it and he's, he's good with it. So um, I think that was a good move um, by you, Dylan, bringing him in for Hall. Dacos led the led the pies in in disposals today and went at seventy five percent efficiency uh, from what I can gather on Twitter. So you're quite right; he does move well and he gets a lot of it. Dylan, anyone else from Collingwood that that you like the look of? Uh, I think Nico Satchin it pretty well. Dacos is obviously the big one, and I think he will be a real key cog in that that sort of rebuild for Collingwood. So he's a in, in, in um, important player, and Charlie Dean as well. Seems like he'll edge out Jack Madgen for that round one spot at the moment, from all reports. Finley McRae, either of you interested? No. No, not for me either. Um, I don't know. He's just, he seems to handle a lot. Um, he might get, you know, the odd sort of blitz of, of, you know, decent scoring, but I don't think he can sustain it. What about the Hawks, Dylan? They've, I think they've had one game so far in intra-club setup. What are you, what did you see anything out of that that you enjoyed? Yeah, it's hard to know as, as we touched on before, Mitch Lewis kicked eight. Don't pick him. Um, Dylan Moore's another one who looked good, but again, I don't think I'd touch him super coach wise Josh Ward has apparently done everything right. He hasn't had the same, I guess, raps that Connor McDonald has. So McDonald was our, I think he was our second, might have been third draft of, of last year. Um, coming out of the Dandy Nong Stingrays, elite numbers in NAB League, he's one that has apparently really impressed in the preseason with his, with his composure. And he's also adds another, has another yard of, of pace as well, which... For Hawthorne at the moment, we're pretty one, pretty one-dimensional in the midfield. It seems to be a lot of contested ball winning, slower midfielders, um, and they've liked Chad Wingard in that role in the past. So maybe there's a spot there for Connor McDonald early. I think he'll probably have to go via Box Hill to start with, but you never know how he fares over the um, the Amy series and the the practice matches to come. Um, but Ward and McDonald are two that have looked looked good, I guess. Hey, in Dylan, have you have, have you heard much about Finn McGuinness? Yeah, so. I wrote the Hawthorne preview midweek and was was pulling apart our best twenty two. I don't think Finn McGuinness will be there in the past. So we've got you've got Tom Mitchell, you've got Jay Graymier, you've got James Warple, um, these sorts of inside bulls that can't really play elsewhere. We haven't really seen any of those guys do much anywhere else around the ground. And McGuinness is too similar to those guys, I think, and that's why he hasn't really cracked in in the past. But Tom Mitchell sort of said that that McGuinness was his tip for a, a breakout this year, and you've got to listen to the playing group. So. I can't see how he fits in, but he's certainly a watch given the um, given the what's coming out from him internally. A couple other super coach storylines that have sort of popped up the in the Port Adelaide trial game. Uh, by all accounts, Jackson Mead was excellent, um, as was Josh Sin, who both look like they're on track to potentially play around one. I still can't quite figure out how Sin fits into their back six, but it does sound like he's going to be a chance to play in there. Um, Jackson Mead, also another one, midfield, uh, big body, looks good. Uh, will you two be starting with either of those two or anyone else from Port? The, actually, the other one to note is Zach Butters, apparently was attending a lot of centre bounces. Yeah, Butters is locked and loaded for me in my forward line. Um, I do like the look of 
Skinner as well. It's really just a, a matter of the round one team sheets and these practice matches that are coming up um, to see exactly sort of how they're going. But definitely a, a big watch on Skinner. I do have Mead sitting on my bench at the moment. Um, and as I said, I'm pretty bullish on, on Butters having a really, really good year this year as long as he can stay injury-free. Yeah, I've got I've got Josh Sin, so I hadn't had him. I thought he might take a while to come on, but really confident kid. Um, if he does get that gig round one, I think he'll be a really good scorer. He, he can play a lot of positions around the ground, obviously half back, um, good ball user, but also pushing forward and, and hitting the scoreboard as well. So I've got Sin at the moment. Um, I don't have Mead, but if, you, if he's named round one, you'll probably look at him. O'Driscoll and Erasmus apparently attending a lot of centre bounces for Frio too, both of which would be very handy little rookies. Um, just to put a bow on this one, boys, uh, is there anyone that I've missed that you guys saw during the week or that you heard about during the week that, that caught your eye? There's been a little bit of chat about uh, Gibkus from Richmond and Saligo from Adelaide. Um, once again, it'll sound like a broken record, but we're just going to have to see some matches with, with them involved. Um, I'm pretty keen on, on Stevens from the Swans as well. Um, and Chester's doing pretty well from West Coast from all reports. Yeah, just on Chester. He, so he left pre-Christmas, um, did all the quarantine stuff that you've got to do to get into Perth. Um, so wasn't at home with his family over the break. So he's really committed to, to breaking in as early as possible. Um, so I, I've got... High hopes for him as well. Um, and Josh Rachelli, is that how you say it? Um, from yep. Adelaide as well. He's they pretty much said he'll be there round one. Um, Actually, so Hobbs, is, Hobbs is doing Hobbs. pretty well. As, yeah. yeah. It's going to bring him up. Again, I just, I can't, I've looked at the Bombers team as a, as a Bombers fan. I, I can't quite see how he squeezes in. It's, and it's worth noting that um, Dylan Shield and Jake Stringer were both absent from the trial game that they played last week. But Hobbs was excellent. Um, the standout, as, uh, as I think I was raving about in our subscribers only WhatsApp group, was Jai Caldwell, who blew me away with his first half. I think he had 17 touches, uh, was everywhere, kicked a beautiful goal where he evaded about four defenders. And he is locked for me come round one. It's just speaking about that WhatsApp group. Uh, if you're after joining us in that WhatsApp group, you can sign up to SC Playbook for $30 and get our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season or $40 for the full package covering AFL, NRL, BBL. Gives you access to stacks of extra articles every week of the preseason and in-season and entry into that exclusive WhatsApp group where you can you can discuss Jai Caldwell with me. Uh, if you're not interested, that's fine. We've got a stack of free content to go through as well. The other one that I wanted to plug, which I've been pretty excited by the uptake with, is the SC Playbook AFL Unlimited group on the Supercoach website where you can take on our contributors and the other rest of the SC Playbook community. There are some pretty awesome prizes. The major prize for the highest ranked SC Playbook subscriber to knock us all off will be two tickets for you and a mate to a regular season game of choice in 2023, food and drinks package and a supporter's jersey of choice. The minor prize, which is the next highest ranked person and everyone's eligible for that, not just subscribers, will be two tickets for you and a mate to a regular season game of choice plus food and drinks package in 2023. Code to join is 210089. Now, let's get into having a look at Probably one of the funnest lines, I think, in terms of what you can do with it, uh, the ruck line. Um, and Nico, I want to start with you. What are you? What are you doing? What's what's your play at this stage? What are you thinking? I've chopped and changed a lot. It's um, it's pretty fun putting Bruce in at R two and seeing how that money can be spread across the rest of your squad. Um, but at the moment, I've got completely locked in. Um, is Grundy from the Pies? I think. He's going to be back to his best. He looked a little bit, 
I guess, uncertain after his injury last season and a little bit disinterested, I thought. Um, from all reports, again, he's blitzing the track. He's doing everything right, and he's back to his best. And at his price point, I think he's a little bit a little bit under, so I think you can just lock him in. Um, but I've got Darcy as well. I've gone the set-and-forget strategy for the time being. We just know that the ruck sectioned or the, the ruck line is a very high-scoring line, so... You don't want to make um, you know, a huge mistake here because you, you're going to potentially be giving up a lot of points to the rest of the pack. Um, so unless I see something different, um, I'm going to be locking and loading the set and forget with Grundy and Darcy, and I'll have Comden on, on the pine. Um, hopefully he's playing early, but if not, um, he'll be used as you know, a potential loop for me. How about you, Dylan? What are you going for? Yeah, I've locked in Brady Grundy as well. I think he's... Like he's a no-brainer, really. When you look at that ruck line, he doesn't have the injury risk that a Sean Darcy does, and he doesn't have that risk of rotation that perhaps Max Gorn does. Um, Gorn is my other ruck. He's I've gone with Gorn over Darcy because of the whole injury factor, and I'm not as concerned about his rotation with Luke Jackson as other people might be. He's run to start the season, so I touched on this last week, but I've got um, Tim English, Jared Witts, Sam Draper, Scott Lysett. Um, Bruce and Flynn, Toby Nane, Kervis, Ben McAvoy. So it's a pretty soft run to start with. I know that that might mean Jackson gets more minutes, but I'm still pretty confident to just to run Gorn. Um, there is a little bit of risk adverse adversity there, um, but he's the safe the safe pick for me. Um, yeah, that's where I've gone. Braden Proust is one that a lot of people are considering. I don't have him at the moment. I think I think we need to see what what he looks like in the Amy series. So. Leon Cameron sort of said that Matt Flynn has that number one spot at the moment and even Bruce himself commented um, on that. So I'm not as big on Bruce as, as other people might be. Um, and then at R3, I've got Combin as well, but that could turn into either the Hayes guys if they get named um, round one. So that's Sam Hayes and, and Jack Hayes um, or a loop option, I think. if um, Combin, it's, it's hard to know. I don't, I don't know how he fits into that north side really. And if he does, is he going to score more than like, 40s and 50s. If, if that's all he's going to give up, it might be easy just to go loop there anyway. Just going back to Proust quickly, uh, I read an article um, where he mentioned that he had a, a later start to the preseason, um, and that was you know not not before uh, the new year. So this was after the new year. So it looks like he started uh, a little bit behind as well. Um, so maybe just something to see what his fitness levels are like and and how he's competing in these practice matches coming up. I go back and forth with Proust um, almost on the daily, but I'm, I'm currently on back on the Proust train at the moment, which is interesting because I think the mindset with him is interesting because both of you have sort of talked about his scoring potential, which is he's a two he's at 200k, he's priced at 38. So is is he going to be is he going to score any less than a Charlie Dean and for example and make you 150k? It, it, ultimately, he's a cash cow who you're playing on the field. Uh, I just. I'm kind of of the view that if, if you're not sure about which you, if your second premium ruckman you want to go to, which there are a lot of options around after Grundy, I think Grundy's the consensus number one ruck in Supercoach. But if you're not sure about that second ruck, is there is there is there much risk in going Bruce? Is he he's going to make you money if he plays, right, Dylan? Yeah, yes, that's a massive if he plays. So he he just goes down like like anything else. So I'm I just don't want to touch Priest with a ten foot pole really. If he if he pumps out two one twenties in these practice matches then I might reconsider it. But at the moment I'd rather just lock in Grundy and either a Gorn or a Darcy and just not worry about it. Um 
it's just as, as Nick had touched on before, the rucks score really well. The big, the big rucks. So, it, I, like if Chris plays, I could see him averaging 80, 90 pretty, pretty easily if he does get on the park. But the injury risk and the fact that he might be second string to Flynn, um, I'm just a little bit, little bit off him personally. You got Briggs as well fighting for that spot too. That's the other thing I don't buy though. Is is Leon Cameron keeps talking about Briggs and Flynn, and they couldn't beat out a thirty-five year old barely movable Shane Mumford last year. Couldn't run, couldn't defend, couldn't do anything, and and those two were meant to be the the heir apparent to that role and couldn't do it. So I I am will obviously wait and see what he does in the preseason, but I, I just think the the sort of the viewpoint of Bruce is this guy that needs to be a hundred averaging ruck is not quite right because he he doesn't really need to do that. Um, the other sort of options for that second premium spot, we touched on a couple of them. Uh, Max Gorn, uh, Dylan spoke about the uh, the split between him and Jackson. Does that worry you at all, Nico? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and, and that's the the one main reason I'm avoiding at the moment. Um, I just think with, you know, Melbourne, you know, on the verge of potentially becoming like a real big powerhouse club, there's really no need for for Max to go massive and, and hard at it for the whole whole 22 rounds. So, um, or 23 rounds, it is these days. So, yeah, look, I think he's going to be spending more time forward. And, you know, with that, um, the development of Jackson just comes less points for, for Gorn. It, it has to. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that um, the two the two of them started the year with Gorn taking 75% of centre bounces and by the end of the season, it was closer to 65-35 in favour of Gorn, which does seem to suggest that they're sort of trending towards a more Jackson-heavy midfield. Um, did you, did you, do you th- see anything with Gorn that is going to make you pick him, Dylan, or are you staying away for the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm just going Gorn purely because it's, it, it's what, what I've done in the past, really. I haven't seen anything from him that makes me think you must pick him. The only thing that I guess you could sort of, and this is clutching at straws, but the fact that, you know, Melbourne fans didn't see any footy last year, really. It was all on TV, and it seems as though he and the leaders around the club, your Jack Vineys and your, your Christian Pachakas, really want to make it a massive, massive deal this year. So whether or not that's, you know, from a coaching perspective, he probably does take a little bit of a backseat to Jackson throughout the year. But the flip side of that might be that, you know, I'm the captain of the club, I want to be at the forefront of everything we do still. Um, yeah, that's clutching at straws a little bit. I, I haven't seen anything that makes me think he must be picked. Um, it's more just a case of I think he's he's the, he's got more of a history behind him than what Sean Darcy does. The other one that's getting a lot of buzz and who I've had in my team for a large chunk of this preseason is Rowan Marshall. Um, I think the Saints have a really friendly draw, as we spoke about last week. They've got Hawthorne and Gold Coast in their first five games. Um, and thanks to Rain Man on Twitter who pointed out that uh, the the myth of sort of the his inability to coexist with Paddy Ryder. Uh, Marshall had a 98 average overall with Ryder last season, 101 if you take out the first three games they played together and 107 if you take out games where Marshall was injured. So I, I'm firmly on board the Marshall train as that, as that R2 option if I don't go with uh, Bruce if he doesn't show me anything. Has Marshall crossed your teams at any point? Not for me, he hasn't, Eddie. Um, I think he's just that little bit below the um the main guys and probably probably 10 or 20 points below so uh, yeah i've i've managed to find that extra you know 100k to to get him to a darcy um that's sort of where i sit at the moment hopefully i can pick him up as a forward if Ryder does return uh, after round six but wait and see 
Dylan, yeah. anything? Yeah, did you, have you had a look at him at all? Yeah, I'm a pretty similar page to Nico there. I think it, it's just I don't think he's in that top echelon yet, especially with Paddy Ryder still sniffing about. Um, yeah, as if he gets forward status, though, um, definitely consider him as a forward. I wouldn't pick him as a ruckman, assuming he'll get forward status, though. So if you're picking him as an out-and-out um, R2, that's, that's all well and good, but I w- I'd be hesitant to pick him, assuming that he'll get that, that forward status because if, if Paddy Ryder goes down round one, Marshall will play the whole the whole time in the ruck and then there's no way he'll get forward status. Um, so pick him if you think he's a legit option, but don't if you're assuming he'll get DPP halfway through the year. I think that's an important point, actually, is don't pick anyone who you assume is going to get DPP. Um, so just stick with what they are at the moment and then if anyone comes across, come round 6, 12 or 18, then just see it as a bonus. The other option that I haven't seen any buzz at all about in that sort of 620 to 650 range is Nick Natanui. Um, won't be in my team. I, I can't really trust the body at this point. He, he's getting older. Are either of you two interested in him at all? Uh, look, a little bit. Um, I think for him, it's it's his time on ground. So he scores well when, when he's on the ground and there's no issue with that. Um, it's just, you know, how much time does he spend on, on the bench? I think that's a very frustrating thing as an owner is just to, you know, watch him having such a big rest and, and missing out on all these points. Um, yeah, look, not for me at the moment, but I can definitely see why people have him. Um, he's he's a proven point scorer. Yeah, one of the best Brackman. I I see him potentially as good as Gorn. I think he's better than Grundy and I think he's as good, if not better than Gorn, um, in terms of, from just a football perspective. So I love him as a, as a player, but as, as Nico touched on, the time on ground's the big thing with him. Um, you know, at least Gorn, when he's resting, he's forward and there's a chance that he can clunk a mark and kick a goal and, and Grundy sort of does similar things at the pies. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a, such a minor thing, but yeah, there's also the injury risk as well. We know he's missed games in the past. Um, yeah, just minor Honestly. things with Nick now. One guy I'm saying no buzz at all about, which which really surprises me, is Riley O'Brien. Um, had a really poor season last year. Was is the sort of narrative? He still averaged 96, delivered nine tons, um, and over the first ten rounds he averaged just 85, but went 105 over the last ten games, which is actually more than Brody Grundy over that time. So I, I think the narrative around Riley O'Brien, he burned a lot of people at the start of last season, and that's left a lot of people a little bit bitter about it, but. I think he's underrated and underpriced, and he's one I would be considering if I wasn't looking at Rowan Marshall. Nico, have you do you do you rate O'Brien at all, or did he burn you last year? Um, he hasn't burnt me. Um, he's probably coming into his prime at, at 26, um, but yeah, he's just that step away again. Um, you're paying, you know, in excess of five hundred thousand, um, and it's it's a punt, and it's a big punt. And one that I'm not willing to take in the ruck line when you've only got two blokes there. So um, maybe for draft, if he's available, um, you know, in the mid sort of section of the draft, um, you know, with your mates and by all means pick him, um, but not for um, not for classic in your starting teams for me. And I'm guessing a no from you as well, Dylan? Yeah, yes. Um, Nico said the exact same thing I would have said. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one other name that I've got written in front of me, which I don't expect either of you will be too keen on, is Jared Witts. Uh, priced at 380K. I know he's coming back from injury. He has got enormous scoring potential if he's fit. Um, if he does, if he looks good in the preseason, Dylan, is, is there a chance that he you'd get a look in at him? Yeah, to be honest, there's probably a bigger chance that I pick Wits over your O'Briens, your Nick Nat types. Um, 
purely from the perspective that you can save a little bit of money there. Hopefully, wits can go 100 average. Pretty, I think that's a pretty pretty okay thing to expect. Um, again, though, you probably have to see pre-season to see that he is moving okay. But there's certainly the discounted price there with the proven scoring history that I guess Braden Proust might not have and less injury risk, I'd say, than Proust. Um, certainly worth considering. It would involve changing structures and whatnot, but... Um, I certainly think Wits could go at an average of 100 and and be a serviceable stepping stone. He's worth a watch, but not for me again. Um, he burnt me last year in, in draft. I had him as my starting ruck, so that was disappointing to, to see him go. I just, I'm not a big fan of, of picking blokes coming off a, a knee Rico in the following year. Um, maybe if he has another you know good year um, this time around, he might be one to look at for, for next year or whatever, but no, nah, not right now for me. And you, you both sort of touched on the rookie situation, so you won't spend too long on it, but is, is there anyone outside of the, the Charlie Combin and, and the Hayes guys that, that really gives you any excitement at all or is it pretty bare down there? I think it's pretty bare. What do you reckon, Dylan? I haven't really Yeah, I think it's pretty bare much. as well. There's no one really, and as I mentioned with Combin, like if they're going to turn out 40s, like don't don't waste your time and pick a guy that'll that'll – just be a loophole for you all year. Um, Max Lynch, don't pick him. I think Reeves gets first crack there at Hawthorne. Um, so what are our thoughts on Proust at R3? Oh, that's what I was going to ask you next because I've seen a few teams with that around. To me, that feels excessive. I'm not sure you need to shout out the extra cash for him at R3. Nico, would you consider it? Yep, yep, I would consider it. Um, and I have had that you know, in, in previous um, setups um, recently. Um, you are leaving a bit of money on, on the bench there, but you're getting a lot of cash gen. So, and if you've got Comden in F8, then you can trade out a forward and or trade Pruce, flick Comden in, and then get a forward in. So, like, there's definitely some good flexibility there. Um, and if he's if he looks like he's doing everything right and he's scoring really well, I'll probably will start him at R3. I'll probably find a way to do it. Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting call that one, and the the sort of the ruck structure I think is is so variable this year. There's so many different ways of going about it. Like even though you can almost lock in Grundy at, at R1, there seems to be so much else that can that you can do with your remaining two spots. Eddie, um, just before we move on, there is another guy um, who is a little bit um, on my watch list, and that's a guy called Jack Williams from West Coast. So apparently he's been playing quite well, um, and he's a ruck forward at 117k. So maybe one to keep an eye out. Um, you know, over these next um, practice matches, potentially. Love that, Nico. Well, if you're interested in a punt on Jack Williams, if you do like a punt overall, check out topsport.com.au. They're home of the best same-game multi in the business. The odds actually add up, and we're going to be previewing their markets every week throughout the season. If you do uh, sign up, make sure you use the code SCPLAYBOOK so that we know that so they know we sent you. It helps out the podcast, helps out the website, helps out everyone, 18 plus, gamble responsibly. So each week of this preseason, I've been setting you guys the task to find me a futures market, which you are keen to perhaps have a look at uh, before the season starts. We'll throw to you, Dylan, first. Which What caught your eye this week? Um, I've, I've sort of gone two, and I couldn't split them. So I've got Melbourne for top four um, at $1.60, I think. They're the shortest price for top four, but I think that's a pretty pretty safe bet. Um, and the other one was with the news that Sam Walsh is out. I think Carlton probably missed the eight again. Um, the narrative, I feel, will be that it's Boss's first year as coach. He'll get let off the hook a little bit. Um, Walsh hasn't hasn't been there from the start. A few moving pieces with new recruits and whatnot. I think they'll miss again. 
and I think next year is probably when they look at look at really climbing. And the, but they're only a dollar thirty seven, so there's not a not a great deal of value there. Um, but you potentially could multi both of those up, and it, it might get over two dollar odds. So that's who I was sort of tossing up this week. Nico, what do you got for us? Yeah, my play of the week is all the noise about Nick Davis of Nick Takos. Sorry, <laughs> I've bought in. Um, so. He's four dollars forty for the Rising Star um, award, so he's very clean uh, with his ball use. His vision has been um, sort of lauded as well, sort of playing off half back. Um, so yeah, I think he's going to get plenty of the ball. His numbers are going to be high, and he's playing that kind of role, which is um, you know it's it's noticed. Um, so yeah, I'm liking Nick Dacos at four dollars forty. I went in a similar direction to you, Nico, but went for the Ruffy instead. And I couldn't quite believe this when I saw it. Josh Sin is at $51 for the Rising Star. He's behind the likes of Jacob Van Ruyen, Jaya Miss, Sam Darcy, Lee Lear, Matty Roberts, Josh Fahey, Ned Long, Corey Warner. None of those guys are going to be playing early, whereas Sin now looks like a really good chance to play around one. So that $51 looks like exceptional value to me. Could even be one yeah. of those ones that you, you get on and then cash out mid-year. I was about to say that is it it'll, it'll probably it'll probably firm um, quite a bit. So, um, yeah. question for you though: with those awards like the Rising Star, do you think there's a media beat up around guys that? So obviously, Horn Francis is the the great white hope for North, and Dacos is, you know, there's a bloodline there, and he's at Collingwood, which is a big Melbourne club. Do you think those guys get, I guess, the rub of the green a little bit when it comes to these sorts of awards? Well, it's definitely a narrative thing overall, isn't it? It's almost like the, the NBA's um, MVP. There's got to be some sort of storyline behind it. So you are right. But at the same time, you do get some of the, the Western Australian guys like Caleb Sarong won one a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, the infamous Louis Taylor win um, back in the early 2010. So I, I do think it doesn't go that way every time. But there, there's going to be some inherent bias that way, I think. Nico, you're a Collingwood man. You you must be absolutely champing at the bit to watch Nick Dacos go at it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Um, so there's even been reports about... Um, uh, this reef guy, I forgot his surname, but he's apparently, yeah, he's he's doing really well as well. So I think the future is pretty bright for the Collingwood mids. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see how they go at the start of the year. Indeed. Now I've I've set you guys another task earlier this week, and it's a new segment that I want to try out. It's called Convince Me. Um, I what I basically told you guys to do was choose one player that you like and one player that you dislike as a super coach option, and you each have. Uh, 90 seconds to convince me why I should or why I shouldn't uh, go with your player. So, Nico, we're going to start with you. I want you to tell me why I should pick the player that you've chosen. Matt Rowell. Um, so, burst onto the scene in 2020. He's at a price point of 342,900. He scored an 80, a 171, a 141, and a 114 in his first four matches. He's... um. The injuries he's, that he's um, actually um, had have been a shoulder and a PCL, and both of those have been whilst he's been getting tackled by the opposition. So they've been a little bit unlucky. Um, he's had a full preseason now. He's fitter. He's stronger. I just think that his floor is is pretty high. I think he's probably safe for a seventy or a seventy-five, and his ceiling's massive. Obviously, we know he scored a one seventy-one in the past. You need a ninety-five average to get to that 100k sort of profit uh, which we you know like to aim for with our with our trades and that takes you into that 500k price range so i think you'll get a 95 average at least and my plans it might be a little bit ambitious but i'm hoping to turn him into took at some point took started a little bit slowly last year i'm kind of hoping that happens again 
very poetic moving from Rao to Took in the same team. And he, he was actually one we didn't mention in the in the little preseason wrap-up before, but he was by all accounts flying around the track, kicked a couple of goals. Uh, as we saw, he's got that ability to push forward. Uh, I like it, Nico. He's currently in my team, so you didn't need to convince me, but you have anyway. Uh, Dylan, what have you got? Who, who are you, you going to try and turn my mind on? I'm going to go with Mitch McGavin, right? Left field a little bit. He's in 1% of sides, but I think he can be a really decent option. So... Oh, this is Brad Lloyd, so he's the Carlton head of football. This is what he said during the week. He said he's been playing down back, third tall role. He's such a good decision maker, really good ball user, really like what I've seen. Looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. He's look, He looks fit and he's moving well. So that's a massive tick for me. Um, uh, Nick Newman, Sam Doherty, Caleb Marchbank have injury question marks around them. They've had interrupted preseason, so there's spots about. Um, great mark. Apparently a classy ball user as well. It's not something I had had him penciled down for but so he's got all the tools there um intercepting which we know is great these are some past examples so liam jones who i think he's well he's gone he's not going to be around but he went from a 58 average to a 77 average when he got shifted back from forward to back um james sicily is another one he went from a 73 to 105 jeremy howe went from 74 to 92 so there's some examples of defenders turned sorry forwards turned defenders um I'm not saying Mitch McGovern is going to average 105, but I think he could go 80, um, 75, 80, which would be enough to make some nice coin um, and be a pretty serviceable, whether it's an F, F4, F5 option. I'm, I'm big. I'm really big on Mitch McGovern, to be honest. I think he's – I was – no one else likes him about the community, but I, I'm, I'm really big on him. Um, so you will be starting with Mitch McGovern? Well, I, I hadn't, but with the news that Mitch Duncan went down, he's in there now, and I can't bring myself to take him out. I'm like, I think he will be there round one. Um, uh, yeah, you, you, you've not up. even gone close to convincing me there, Dylan. I, I can't he's, do he's it. He's going really to Eddie, Eddie. Watch, mark my words. Revisit this in a month, and when he or eight, oh yeah, I don't know. It could, it could be a total balls up, but I'm really high on Mitch McGovern. What I do want to know is what's what's the best case scenario though for him? He averages eighty, and it's still difficult to get that bridge across to a premium. Or are you expecting to be able to sideways trade into a fallen guy? Or what? Yeah, what's the best case? Uh, for him? The best case is that he goes ninety and is a complete revelation, and he's like his brother two point oh. Um, I think eighty's realistic, and then you potentially look at getting to a down uh, a fallen Dusty or a fallen Mitch Duncan or a guy like that who you, you, there's a little bit more um, reliability behind their scoring. Um, but you never know. Like Jarman Impey last year was a classic case of forward turn back. He was 215k from memory and was more of a flanker, but he he was almost a, a keeper. Um, he went down with with a knee or an ankle injury late in the year, and we had to trade him out. But he was borderline keeper at the time. Um, Zebel's another yeah. one who was definitely a keeper. Um, so the, for me, it's not about Mitch McGovern. I don't think he's a star by any means, but it's the role change and the price point. Um, it's kind of the right profile, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I won't have him in my team round one, but I'm getting there. I can Me see either. the reasoning. Um, no, you're, on, you're on a roll, Dylan, so I'm going to leave it with you. Who do you, want me to, who do you want to talk me out of? Who's the player you want me to avoid? Um, Caleb Sarong, and I sort of threw him in the bin a couple of weeks back after I started writing about him. So for me, to be an uber primo, you've got to average 120 plus. So they're your Olivers, your Bonds, your McCrays, your Steels, took me low, these sorts of players. Minimum 115, which is where you're looking at your Walshers and your Tom Mitchells. I, I don't know that um, Caleb Sarong will go there. I think at best he goes to maybe 105. Um, averaged just under 83 last year, and I, he'll definitely exceed that. Um, but how much by, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. People talk about how Mundy's on the air, uh, Mundy's getting, only getting older and Fife potentially plays forward more. 
Sarong still played 71%, attended 71% of the centre bounces last year, so that was a team high anyway. Um, and not many players across the competition go more than 80. So I don't think there's a lot of improvement from that perspective. Um, there's just too much of a committee there. So and, uh, Andy Brayshaw still around. You've got your Mondays, your Fife, um, and Nathan O'Driscoll and, and Neil Erasmus, as we touched on before. I suppose they're going to get a crack early on. Um Great player. I just he, he feels awkward. He's too much as a stepping stone. I prefer the Matt Roush out that Nico touched on, and also Jared Berry. These sorts of players, Di Caldwell as well that, that you mentioned. I just uh, there's not enough. Sarong's just going to be that awkward guy that you end up with M eight um, averaging 100, 105 at the end of the year. I think that question before I asked you regarding McGovern's relevant again for Sarong and anyone thinking for him, like what's the best case for him? Like as you said, the best case is he gets to 105 and it's in a really awkward spot where you have to waste a trade to get him out. Like you, you may as well just bank on a Caldwell who's much cheaper than Sarong is. Yeah. Makes an extra 100K and it just makes it easier. He's scoring as well. Like he only scored seven tons from 22 games last year, had a high score of 135 and only one score was a, um, above 120. So I just haven't seen – at the moment, it's all he's going to improve. I haven't actually seen him improve. Potentially, you look at him with these new trade boosts at, at round, round three if he's pumped out two 130s and you go, okay, maybe I can get a little bit creative there. But for me, I, I don't think well, – I haven't even considered Sarong, to be brutally honest with you. Nico, final final chance to talk me out of someone. Who who are you? Who do you want me to avoid? Avoid? I did check your team reveal, uh, and you had Mitch Duncan as your F1. So for me, um, yes, he's got a a proven scoring history, and yes, you can pick him as a forward this year, but it's a big no, the fact that he's over 30 now. He's got the dreaded old man calf issues, so he had them last season, uh, and again, um, he's had them this preseason. So multiple soft tissue injuries all throughout his career. I think at his age and these soft tissue niggles, especially the calf, which you don't want to see, um, you say old, but you know, but these thirty-year-old type players, um, for me, I'm staying away, uh, and I'm encouraging others to stay away. So definitely not a starting pick. Maybe an upgrade after he's um, going to have an injury affect the ten-point game again at some point during the year. I'm just itching to ask you what the rest of your forward line looks like, Nico. But we'll save it for next week when we've got the. We'll go through the forward line in more depth next week. Um, but I assume that means you're going with Dunkley instead. Uh, I do share your concerns about Duncan. I just there's just no many. There's no other options. We're going to go through it next week, and I'm going to struggle to know who to talk about in the in the forward line just because there's so little there. Dylan, are you are you attracted by Duncan at all, or has Nico talked you out of it? Uh, I had him up until the, the news that he had a calf injury. Um, and I've just taken him out because of the whole interrupted preseason thing. If he was fit round one, I'd still probably consider him um, purely for the same reasons you mentioned. I just don't know that there's too many other options sipping about. And I feel like I'd rather get burned by someone like Mitch Duncan, who I know is a proven scorer and has an injury risk, than someone like Isaac Heaney, who screws people over every year, or Zach Butters, who tends to miss games with injuries as well. Um, yeah. I've seen Heaney talked about quite a bit, uh, actually, recently. In, that's in my head in. Yeah, save, <laughs> save it, boys. Save it. We've got so much to talk about next week. I can't right. wait to hear. You, I can't wait to hear you talk to me about butters, uh, Nico. I absolutely love butters, and I'm keen to hear you go on about him. That's about all we've got time for today, boys. Um, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, as always, check out the SC Playbook website. Uh, Nico just mentioned my team reveal before. Um, that's up on there as of this morning. Dylan's got a great team preview of Hawthorne. Nico, have you got anything in the pipeline coming for us? 
Uh, just working on some of our uh, team previews that we're, we're rolling through. So um, I just um, I think I'm working on the Suns at the moment. So I'll finish that one off and, and get it up there um, and then work on the next one. You also had that uh, excellent sort of rundown of your your rules of Supercoach and what sort of advice you had for other players, which I encourage everyone to check out. It was fantastic. Yeah, a little um, piece on strategy and um, structure and risk, risk profile, that kind of thing. Yep. Fantastic. Well, thanks for your time, boys. Um, we'll see you again, same time, same place next week. See you, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.